What's up, brother? Thanks Where for having me. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Nice and jacked and tan. <laughs> Living in you live Miami. in Miami. You got you to do the part, right? You got to be. <laughs> yeah, dude, we were just chatting here about uh, your travel experiences, and I was uh, checking out your IG and everything that you're doing, and I didn't realize how how much you travel, number one, and then two, uh, how serious you take business and everything you've done over the years, but you're a lighthearted guy, right? Like you have this really cool spiritual side to you. Um, so I want you to elaborate a little bit on where did kind of the light bulb go off in that building framework and mindset and overall spirituality uh, over the years for you? I was not even remotely spiritual till like four years ago, right before I started my company, Quantum Talent Group. And I think it's a certain point I had started achieving so many goals and checking boxes and then just not feeling the feelings associated I thought I would feel with them. And so when you do all these things outside of you, to add to that, you know, I quit my job when I was 25. I traveled 25 countries around the world and had all these amazing stories, but I came back and I had all the same problems that I had when I left. So when you just repeat that over and over and over and you have a hundred data points, you're like, shit, there's gotta be something else. Mm. So that's when I really went inward and went into personal development. I read this book called Loyalty to Your Soul, um, which is about spirituality and spiritual psychology. And I started seeing, okay, there's, there's more to this, right? Like there's this three-dimensional reality, there's this whole world of energy, but I was trying to untangle all the stuff I learned from religion. And, you know, I, I used to hear God and I would cringe, right? Now I have a great relationship with God. But I think at some point I just knew there was more and I wanted to feel whole. I wanted to feel abundant. I was acquiring things, achieving goals. I had lots of friends, but I didn't feel connected. And so that's, that's kind of what put me down this spiritual path of like figuring out what the hell is spirituality? How do I gain some sort of relationship where I can have faith so I don't have to live in so much stress, anxiety, frustration. Um, so it's just really me searching for a deeper connection within myself so I could feel whole because I think mm -hmm. a lot of things we do, we're just constantly in a motion of achievement to try to feel our way and to achieve our way into being whole. Yeah, especially with guys like us and in an environment like Miami, you have to be pretty careful, right? There's a lot of flash, yeah. which I'm all about. <laughs> but uh, yeah. at the end of the day, too, it's, you know, hence the name of the show we were just talking about. It, it's all for nothing. Like, are you doing all these things every single day in your life, in your business for nothing? Are you buying mm -hmm. all these things for no real reason? So mm -hmm. you read the book. Um, did you attend, like, any events? Did you start changing, like, your day-to-day -day habits and people that you're around? And when was, like, maybe that, that moment where the light bulb went off of connecting with God or your higher self, whatever that may be. Well, dude, I've been with a, I've, I've been to a ton of events. I've spent crazy amounts of money on masterminds and courses and coaching and been around a lot of people. Um, but I, I, I like what you said is, is this all for nothing? Why are we even doing this? Right? Like that's a very interesting question to me because I think very few people, including myself for most of my life, no idea why I was doing it. We're all doing something for a reason. But what I found is like, we do things because of our voids. So your voids create your values. Whatever you lacked as a kid, especially, you end up overvaluing as an adult. So you see if you're flexing Lambos and watches and 
all these things on social media all the time. Maybe you grew up and you didn't have a lot of money and you felt insecure about that. Or if you're always flexing that you're with a thousand chicks all the time, maybe you didn't get a lot of girls in middle school or high school and you have to overcompensate and show the world that you're good enough there. For me, when I was a kid, I felt super lonely. I felt like I was on the outside of things and I hated that feeling of being like on the outside and not like having the connections that I wanted. And fast forward, I turn into a super connector. That's my career. I'm, I'm an executive recruiter. I literally, my job is to be connected to the most powerful, interesting people in the world and work with these people that inspire me. But that's the funny thing is, is that void of not feeling connected and not feeling like a part of the cool crew when I was a kid and feeling so lonely, that created my motivation to be so connected that I could never be lonely again and be so in with the cool things happening, all the hottest new companies coming out and helping work with all the hottest CEOs. It's funny, that void created this entire life that I have. But I think those those things can be very powerful and motivating and they can help us get really far in life. But eventually, it's beneficial to actually get aware of them and heal them. Otherwise, they run your entire freaking life, right? And you can never, you'll, you'll keep achieving, but you'll never actually feel whole. So that's the, that's the interesting dichotomy there. Well, I think you're pretty cool now. So good job. <laughs> you're in the cool kid group. How did you start getting to know these high-level people? I think that's usually the first step that a lot of people, I at least know it helped me a lot tremendously, is mm -hmm. getting to mastermind events, reading mm -hmm. books, just getting around people, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, just getting around high-level people that you can learn what took them 10 years and collapsed that time. So how mm -hmm. did you start? I mean, dude, you're super connected, like, essentially everyone you work with is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Not that people have to just be connected with a dollar amount in terms of the quality or the success of a person. Yeah. But what are some things that you did to change the people that you're around, even if you had zero credibility? At the so time? this is great, dude, because four or five years ago, I hadn't, I didn't have a great network, right? Like I was literally going to the club two, three times a week just like drinking a shit ton of alcohol. And I'm, my, my most of my circle was completely unaligned with my future, right? So I really did not have a network. So fast forward to now working with billionaires, working with big tech founders, working with some of the biggest VCs in the world, having friends that are really, really successful. Um, I, I had to become somebody they wanted to be around. So that's what I realized. So I split away from all my friends five years ago that were just drinking all the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, screw it. I'm going to go do things that I want to do that light me up. Right. And this is completely non-related to business. I went salsa dancing, right? I went hey. salsa dancing. I went solo. I did six months lessons every day. And it's funny because I was at this salsa class. Let's and see some moves, dude. If, I'll bust them out <laughs> after the show. Um, I'm at this class and I see this guy and me and him just start talking. We start vibing. And he's like, oh, I'm going to Spain. I was like, I'm going to Columbia. You should join me. And the guy turns out to be uh, someone named Marvin Jones Jr., um, who became one of my best friends. But at that time, I didn't have uh, a lot of like great positive male associations, especially. And he became my best friend. And I realized in that moment, I'm like, hey, this guy's pretty famous. He's uber successful. You know, from, from that perspective, I got nothing to offer him. But I'm like, hey, why, are, why do you think we're homies? And he's like, dude, it's, it's all energy. And so that's what I realized is people don't want to be around you because of how much money is in your bank. 
they want to be around you because they feel good to be around you. Like they love your presence, your energy, how you experience life, what you bring to them. And I just brought this authentic, I just wanted to connect and build a friendship. And we built that doing on things we loved. Like we love salsa dancing. We love playing guitar. We love uh, Latin cultures. We love traveling together. So just by being authentic and saying, hey, screw what I've been doing. What do I, what things do I do that light my soul on fire where I'm going to be in my highest vibration? Where if I'm in a room with people, they're going to magnetize to me. Right. So that was one thing. Uh, I realized that networking is all about energy. So if you're like that guy who's going to a networking event, like, ooh, let me, let me go build some business leads. Everybody can fucking feel that. Mm -hmm. No one's going to want to work with you. No one's going to want to connect with you because the intentions are impure and energetically people pick up on that. Um, the other thing I think you got to do is you have to take successful people off a freaking pedestal because if you're at this frequency and you put them up here, that imbalance in frequency, people can feel that. And they can feel that you're putting them on a pedestal and it's this weird energy. And it's impossible to connect authentically when that's the case. So people have to start pulling people off that pedestal, seeing people eye to eye, so you can actually just build a genuine connection. Because people just want to connect, bottom line. Especially uber successful people, they are tired of people looking at them through the lens of their accomplishments. They just want to be human and have a real connection. And so I think those mindset things are really, really critical just as a general frame. Um, but from that, how do you actually build real relationships in a real world-class network? You've got to create value. You have to have a value vehicle, whether it's you're working for a company, you have a skill set, or you have your own business. you got to have something because these billionaires, big people, like they don't just hang out. They're building. They're with other people. They're collaborating, right? So they want to, you got to bring some value to the table. So for me... I looked at myself and I said, what skill set do I have? I have recruiting. I've been recruiting for eight, nine years. I'm going to go launch a business. But I did not have executive recruiting, which I was like, if I want to be the most valuable person to a CEO, which is the person I'm most inspired to serve, I've got to learn the exec side. So I taught myself that skill through crazy amounts of trial and error and just selling to everybody that I was the best exec recruiter in the world when I had no exec placements, right? Because I knew I wanted to develop the skill set to be the most valuable person for CEOs and VCs. And so I learned that skill set. And then when I was in those rooms and I'm vibrating, people are connecting with me, I actually had a follow-up to say, hey, I saw that you just raised a hundred million bucks. Like, this is what we do. Like, let's work together. And then when you come through for somebody on something in business, you help them achieve their, their mission or vision in some way that builds a deeper friendship. And so like the guy, the guys that click up, you know, those guys, Zeb and Chris and all those guys are my closest friends. Now, um, I built half their exec team, placed 60 people at that company, helped them get the $4 billion. And, it was very lucrative for everybody, but like they're my close friends now because we were in those trenches together and I had built that skill set to be valuable to them and help them build that. Mm. Um, so that's what I would say is you got to become, you got to become a high frequency individual, take success off a pedestal, be there to connect. And then once you're in those rooms, whether you're paying for a mastermind or you're at a networking event or you're doing a podcast with somebody, you got to ideally have some sort of value vehicle in the back end to continue the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing you said that is so true, it's very common is instead of like actually trying to do more things right out the gate, or really at any point when you're trying to make another quantum leap, yeah, is there's probably less things you need to be doing. So you stopped going out, you stopped wasting your time and energy with people that you didn't align values with. Correct. And then you filled that with naturally things that you actually want to do. Salsa dancing, it allowed you to connect with this person. Yeah. Uh, and then ultimately that leads to getting in the right room because you're actually doing the things that you want to do, right? So 
share a little bit more on that ClickUp store, if you don't mind. Sure. Because that's a big deal. Yeah. What you did, that's a def definitely, definitely a big deal. So. Well, this is the crazy story, and I feel like there's three or four lessons wrapped up in it. But one of the biggest risks I took was starting my business right in COVID, and it's the worst time to start a recruiting business, right? No one's hiring. Everyone's panicking, laying off, freezing hiring. That's when I started my business, right? But it's funny how karma works, because five years before I started the business, I helped this kid named Zach get his first job in engineering. And I didn't take a fee. I didn't take a commission. I just helped him out for free. Mm. The day I start my business, I get a random call from him and he says, hey, I'm at this new company. You know, I've actually moved up the ranks and I'm actually a, a leader now and I need to build my own team out. I want you to meet my CEO and see if you can work with this new company I'm at. So I drive down to the office. It's maybe 20 people sitting there down downtown San Diego. And I meet there and it's Zeb. It's the founder of ClickUp, right? There's 20 guys. They got a couple million revenue, nothing crazy yet. Uh, we really clicked. And Click that was my, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but yeah, we actually, we really clicked. And that was the first client, right? And it was, I was just figuring shit out at that point too. I just started my business. They were early days. And there was a second risk I took is like, I believe in these guys. I see this company going big. So I didn't have a lot of money because I was just starting my business, but I deferred a good portion of my fees for equity because I believed mm. in the guys. And I asked Zeb, I was like, dude, can I just trade this for equity? I didn't even know, right? Again, another lesson in business, you don't have to know. You can figure shit out as you go. I said, hey, I'd, it'd be really cool to invest in these companies. So when they IPO and go public, I could make a shit ton of money with them and we can win together. But is this even possible? So I asked Zeb. Zeb said, absolutely. And we did that. Um, fast forward, placed 60 people, became a multi-million dollar client. They're a $4 billion company now, the fastest growing project management tool in the world. Um, but it's interesting because I got that company not because I was a great salesman, because good karma. Five years ago, I helped some guy for free. Mm -hmm. And he came back and Gave me, our, gave me the biggest opportunity to build my company because we built the entire business of quantum off that case study, right? Mm -hmm. And then take risks. You got to take risks. Mm -hmm. Like took a risk by starting the business. The timing certainly wasn't right, right? Never the right timing. Um, and then taking another risk by forfeiting my liquidity to get equity just because I believed in these guys and I believed in the long-term outcome. And it was those risks and I think just good karma. You don't know... You know, the, there's a universal credit and debit system. You never know when it's gonna, when it's gonna ask of you or when it's gonna give to you. But um, you just do good shit with pure intentions, and it comes back. You probably realize that now, right? As you've like worked through the spirituality side and yeah. you know tapped into a different dimension, if you will. Like, oh yeah. wow, I was doing that essentially with your intuition at the time, and you, things just start clicking, like you said, and you're reflecting yeah. back, like, oh wow, this is crazy. The patterns of when I wasn't doing that versus when I, I was, good outcomes versus bad outcomes. Mm -hmm. One thing you said as well, whether you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, or on the flip side, you're an employee, is yep. the instant gratification, right? Mm -hmm. You said, hey, instead of paying X amount of money, I want equity. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's 900 ways to structure that, and I'm not saying that's always the right answer necessarily. But that shows somebody that you're actually committed. You have some skin in the game. Yeah. Because if I don't get this result, I don't have upside either. Yep. And you're betting on the founder, right? You're betting 100%. on that person. The instant gratification thing is huge. And I don't believe there's one way to skin the cat. Like you can live your life however you want to live. But I'll say this. After making eight figures, I've still never bought a car. 
uh, more than $20,000 and I've never bought a watch more than $5,000. I spend my money in things like travel and food and I, I, I overspend there, I would say. But my value wasn't looking rich. It was getting wealthy and building a great business. So for me, like I continue to have that long-term mindset because I could go splurge a ton of money on things that I would want to, but I'm keeping the long-term in mind. And I think the longer you can do that, the bigger you can get in life, the, the further you can go. Well, I don't even think the cars and the watches are a problem. They're not a problem whatsoever, especially if you're like in a business where you can market them and actually get a return on investment from them. And tax um, right off. But like for me, I, I, I chose to invest my money in assets that could build freedom and wealth long-term. And I figured, hey, what's more valuable? Should I buy this $3 million house or should I put this money in Bitcoin and turn that into $30 million mm. over this period of time and then take a loan against that and buy the house later, right? So it's just long-term thinking versus short-term thinking. It's like, hey, I set a goal. I want to hit this certain fitness goal. Do I eat this ice cream now or do I delay this and follow my diet for another month and be super proud of how I look in the mirror, right? It's just, there's so many ways to look at it, but the, I think the more you can the more you can sit in that phase of, I'm just gonna keep sacrificing. Like my friend Wes always says, sacrifice creates paradise, right? When you overindulge in yourself, you lose credibility, you lose love for yourself. And when you live in this state of sacrifice and you can withhold from splurging your money and you can withhold from eating, when you can withhold these things and you live in a state of sacrifice, you can live in such a higher frequency where you can serve other people much better. And you're less focused on you and your problems. And you're just there here in life where you can serve and be, be present. And so I, be, I believe in, in not giving yourself everything you want, like attaching, hey, I want this, but you know what? I'm going to hit this goal and then give that to myself. For me, that's just a great way of wiring that helps me achieve more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the key there is you're, it's just not what you want. So there's nothing wrong with the watches, the no. cars, because I, I like nice things because you can market it and I just like nice things. But in reality, what you're saying is, well, I just value travel and food more. Most people actually travel or value the same thing, but they do the opposite because they're trying to fill that void. And that void- Totally, totally. You nailed it. It's, it's, it's first off, I would never want anyone to live my life. Mm-hmm. I think the number one rule of the game is self-awareness. You gotta know what makes you happy. You gotta know what genuinely lights you the fuck up, right? For me, I like nice houses. That's why I invested and have this beautiful penthouse because I wake up every day inspired looking at the ocean and I love it, right? I don't love cars. I like watches. I love travel. I love staying in elegant places. I love the best food. I love being generous and being able to give my friends vacations and pay for things for my family and, and do philanthropic work. I love all that stuff. Where are you taking me, bro? Where are we going? We have to discuss that. <laughs> we'll, we'll go, we'll get coffee. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like one of those things where you have to know what is, what's, what makes you feel rich, mm -hmm. right? Instead of, this is what actually happens with most people. Someone makes the money, they get the watch. Now they feel like, okay, now I got to get the car to match that. Now I got to get the new penthouse. Now I got to get the private jet rides. Now I got to get this. And you just go through this giant domino effect and you're totally unconscious. And you never ask yourself, do these things truly make me happy? And that's the fucking key to success is defining it for yourself and saying, what makes me happy? What isn't? And what am I drawing from somebody else's narrative of success? And that's what I've gotten better at through this iterative process is like, I know what makes me happier now. Right. And so I can, I, I've been on all the yachts and the jets and the biggest mansion parties. And what I realized the common denominator across all those, I'm happiest 
completely depending on who I'm with. I would rather be on a freaking tugboat with four people that I love than the sickest mansion party at a multi-hundred million dollar mansion with the biggest celebrities where I don't feel connected to people and I'm just there taking freaking Instagram selfies. Like that is not fulfilling to me. So by knowing that about myself now, because I've gone through that process, I can arrange my life in a way where I'm just, there's more joy and connection and presence, right? So you got to know what makes you feel rich, live your rich life, spend your money in areas that really bring you genuine joy, and then don't in the other areas. Don't feel like you've got to do that just because other people are doing it. Absolutely. I feel more comfortable in this little closet that we're filming in than I do <laughs> when I go out there and there's buildings everywhere and you hear honking noises and all this chaos. But yeah. I want to I wanna flip it a little bit here. Okay. Um, what what are some problems or the number one problem that you're facing right now where you're vulnerable enough to share what those problems are, whether it's personal, yeah. professional, financial? Yeah. And when we look back on this in six months, 12 months, you're like, oh, wow, that's not even a problem anymore. Or like, so proud that I accomplished that problem. One thing, couple things. It's a really good question. I, would say, I just got back from a Joe Dispenza meditation retreat a couple of weeks ago in Colombia where I think I was working through some of these things. So I would say that the biggest challenge I've had throughout my entire life is just feeling whole, feeling whole, right? And I think it's it's the plague of humanity of this feeling of not enough, right? I'm never enough. And I think this society, we there's a lot of pressure on men in society to perform, to be providers, to be protectors, to have high status, to have connections, resources. And funny enough, um, it's... It's crazy looking back at the stories of how we became who we are. But I had a girlfriend in when I was on 24, 25, and all my life I just wanted to be an athlete, but I made some poor decisions when I was in high school and screwed that whole thing up. And I just regretted that for a long time. And she ended up cheating on me with an athlete, with an NBA player. And that was like my deepest wound. And so in that moment when that happened, I was like, I have to become that successful. Otherwise, I'll never be able to keep love. Right? And that that motivated the shit out of me. And I became very successful because of that pain. Um, but really, essentially, I think that gap, that void was has been there my whole life of like, just not feeling quite enough. I'm like, ah, I got to be more successful. I got to have more. I got to be more in order to be worthy of love, in order to receive love. And what I really worked through in this meditation with Joe Dispenza a few weeks ago is we got good at getting quiet, meditating, and connecting to this divine energy source connecting to God, which would have, if you told me I was going to do that a few years ago, I'd be like, you're crazy. Like, doesn't make, doesn't make, like any, make any sense to me. But for me now, I realize that I can give myself everything, that nobody can give me anything. It's all within myself. And it's just a, an acknowledgement and awareness of the unconditional love of the creator. And I know it sounds esoteric, but that's, that's where it sits with me now. So I've, re I've realized that. Before I needed intimacy, I needed a relationship to feel intimacy. I needed a relationship to feel love. I needed an accomplishment or I needed to increase my net worth to feel abundant, right? I needed something outside of me to make me feel something inside of me. And now I've realized, and I'm continuing to practice because this is not like you just figure it out and it changes forever, that you can give that to yourself internally. And just through that level of awareness and being the source of what you want, it's actually, there's never anything outside of you that is required to give you that. And so that's what I continue to work on is practicing creating my life from a place of wholeness where I don't need anything. I don't need what I want. 
but I can have desires and I can create from an expansive place um, of creation, of excitement, of inspiration, and not from a means of, oh, I need to achieve this to fill this void, to cure my lack so I can be whole eventually. Because that's how I've lived most of my life. Well, it'll usually start showing up in everything that you do, right? Like if I bring on a specific guest, what do I need to do for this person, for them to have a good time on the show, to have a good time with me, right? Like yeah. you want to bring value. It's like what we're doing every single day. Our minds are programmed to do that. Yeah. Dude, I just want to fucking talk to people that are cool, entertaining, and, you know, just learn more about myself, right? Mm. And so I can definitely resonate with that. Who was the NBA player? I can't say names. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Was it? Uh, it wasn't just, Blake Griffin, though. Okay, that's good. Was it his brother? <laughs> it could have been. Yeah. It could have been. <laughs> no, just teasing. But yeah, that's huge, man. And one thing, too, that I'm sure you might be experiencing is now you come back to your environment where there mm -hmm. is a lot of noise. Yeah. People can feel that, right? Mm -hmm. Are you seeing that when you're around people? Like, oh, this person needs a little bit more, like, especially with men. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember one of my good friends, he has ayahuasca retreats and shout out to Jay Azeltine. He uh, was on the show as well. One of my fucking brothers, love that dude to death. He came back from the jungle mm -hmm. and I'm like in the trenches of the business, right? And we're hanging out at WeWork. I'm just grinding. You know, he's just sitting there chilling like on his phone, probably sending some tweets out or something. And like right when he left, he's like, love you, bro. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that was weird. A dude just told me they love me, right? But then you realize, oh, where, why does that make you feel that way? Yeah. Right. And especially with like alpha males that were around entrepreneurs, like, let's get after it. No one's going to stop me. When you start doing that work, whatever that work is, yeah. You can come back into that environment around those people. Not that you're comparing, not that you're better than them. Sure. You can just feel it. Oh, when I go to the jungle for seven days and I tuck away a little bit and I go, ooh, let's pour internal a little bit more. Yeah. You go back and you have more externally to share with others. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. When you fill your cup, it overfloweth, man. You just want to share. You just want to give. But it, it is funny that men have a really hard time receiving love. Mm -hmm. Like even when someone gives me a compliment, sometimes I can't really receive it or like, you know, my dad's the same way. You look at where, you know, the apple in the tree, like I'll say, hey, dad, I love you. And he says it back maybe 5% of the time, but I know he loves me, but it's just, we have different barriers of expression, right? So I think one of the most noble things you can do to have a better existence is remove all your barriers to love, right? Because let's, let's be fucking real. Love is the best emotion. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me, tell me what's better, making 100 grand off a deal or that moment you were fucking in love, dude. If you're on your deathbed right now, and I'm like, hey, play me back your five best memories in your, in your life, I guarantee you all of them are going to be with somebody that you love. And it's that feeling of overwhelming love you're going to remember. You're not going to remember any of the business deals, right? All that is a means to enable more moments with those people, right? So when you think about that, love is all that fucking matters, right? If I said, hey, you're going to make $10 million over the next 10 years, which I know for someone like you is not a lot, right? Or you're going to make $100 million over the next 10 years. But if I'm going to give you $100 million, you can't have any intimate love relationships for the next 10 years. What are you going to take? Uh, definitely the opposite of that, <laughs> right? Because because I can leverage life without life without one. love is vapious. It's empty. 
Think about it. Successes without people to share them with are fucking empty. So money, accomplishment, success, all that stuff, it's secondary. Primary it are things like your health, your faith, your relationships. Those things actually fucking matter. Everything else just magnifies those. If those primary things aren't there, your life is fucked. You're just not happy. You're empty. And so love is all that matters. And so when you look at when you look at life that way, it's changed the way I see the whole world. It's changed the way I operate my business. Like the first question I ask myself every fucking day now is how can I be, how can I give, and how can I... Um, create from love. How can I be? How can I give? And how can I create from love? Because where you create from matters. When you create from your heart, life is way more beautiful, right? Instead of just creating from this analytical mind of needing to get somewhere, it's fucking tiring. At the end of the day, if you feel a high quality and high volume of love on a daily basis and you feel that, your day is infinitely better, right? Because mm -hmm. we're just fucking chemicals, dude. We're yeah. chemicals walking around in a skin suit. Right. And it's like different chemicals make you feel differently. Right. And when you have oxytocin and serotonin, all these love chemicals inside your body, your quality experience of life is through the frickin roof. But we're trying to achieve all these material things because we think they're going to give us those chemicals. Right. But we just get a shit ton of dopamine and we're just wired to keep chasing that shit. But uh, that's that's my honest thing is like we got to prioritize love in pursuit of all these material goals we have. Because I think you can marry those two. Right. You have your X axis and your y-axis. This is what changed my life. This is this is the the marriage of business and ambition and material pursuits and spirituality. This is the perfect axis. So, it's a y-axis and an x-axis. On the x-axis, that's everything you want in life materially, right? It's your you want a husband, a wife, you want to build a 100 million dollar company, you want all these things. This is all the material physical goals. On the y-axis is really your it's your spiritual axis. It's the quality of your emotions, right? How much love, love is really the y-axis. How much love are you experiencing and bringing to the world in your pursuit of those things, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to go up and to the right on both. I want to have all of my material dreams achieved, but it's how I'm pursuing them, the intention behind them. Am I bringing more love and light into the world while I'm achieving those things? Or am I pursuing all these things completely unaware of this axis over here and I'm really creating from these low quality emotions of frustration, lack, anger. And that's the difference between either way, you could get to this, the same destination. The, the difference is, are you going to be fulfilled or empty? And that's all about the intention of the energy you create with. So off a little side tangent, but I feel like that's a super important topic. Mm -hmm. Enough of this hippie shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it, dude. I Everything you said, I resonate with and... I do want to talk a little bit more on uh, the business side. Yeah, let's what, do it. What you're doing on the business side here. Uh, maybe kind of share where you're at. You have a couple things going on and mm -hmm. where those businesses are heading. Yeah. So I have one main business. I have a nonprofit, but that's completely more passion. There's no profit from that whatsoever. And um, it's a nonprofit. Yeah. You know what? Some <laughs> nonprofits actually are very profitable, though. So uh, We'll talk about um, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an illusion. Yeah. Um, but no, my business is called Quantum Talent Group. Mm -hmm. So we're a recruiting company. Launched it three years ago, right in the midst of the pandemic. And essentially, we're building a new model in the recruiting space. So there's always been executive recruiting companies. And there's been staffing companies. But we built a model where we can take companies from early stage seed all the way through IPO. So we can basically build their whole company. This is we have a really senior SEAL team. So we essentially can recruit those early executives for companies after they raise venture capital funding. And we can actually build everything to help them go public. Back up here. So that's that's a lot. Who 
I guess, who would that person mm-hmm. business be? Let's start there. All tech companies, right? So we only play in the tech world, in the venture capital-backed tech world usually. So once someone raises $5, $10 million from a VC and they have a tech company, mm-hmm. it could be an AI company. We work a lot in SaaS, software as a service. We do a ton of work in crypto. Right now, we have the number one crypto portfolio in the world. Uh, for, for recruiting agencies. FTX. Uh, luckily, they were not in our portfolio. <laughs> uh, but Luna was a big client, so I took a pretty big L there. Um, I think we all did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we basically just build tech companies across a ton of different verticals, and we partner with the founders at the early stages, usually around seed, series A, when they've got anywhere from five to 20 people. We help them build their executive teams, help them scale their engineering, marketing, sales. So we're basically like the engine in the, in the thought partner to help them hire that 10x talent that's going to take their company to multi-billions, tens of billions. Uh, and we're along helping them build throughout that journey. Yeah, I've had a couple uh, people on the show already, and it resonates. I think of business in three categories. People, processes, profit, and you know, setting up your business to sell from day one. Mm-hmm. That's what apparently people say to do. Yeah. But doesn't necessarily mean you have to sell your business. But if you leave for seven days, that's where you start to find the choke points. One thing I say <laughs> all the time is like a quick hack in business is take a vacation. Yeah. Like we usually take a vacation, especially when you're getting, for, you may not even take a vacation, yeah. right? Because you're like so obsessed with working and building the business. But in reality, when you take a trip somewhere, you're like, oh, these are the actual real problems because I'm away. Yes. But these executive team members are away. Yep. So in my opinion, you're filling the most valuable piece of a business. As you said, well, number one, now I do have the credibility, right? Yeah. So you can probably recognize patterns and red flags immediately. Tons. Number two, dude, people fucking suck. Most people suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it doesn't mean that you can't develop them. It doesn't mean that you can't, you know, put them in a better seat. Yeah, I, I don't believe, and on the converse of that, I don't believe that there's any such thing as like an A player. Like, I genuinely believe it's all about A-plus alignment. Like, it's all about alignment. Like, someone is talented as shit. You put them in a new environment, like you take them from the Patriots when you have this great Belichick offense and you put them into a new team and they just completely blow like all the coaches that ever came from the Patriots, right? You put them in new environments, they couldn't figure shit out. That's how businesses work. You got to find the right person with the right skill set, with the right mindset that's in the right vehicle that gels with your environment at the right stage in your company's life cycle, whether you're early or late, uh, what period of growth you're at. Like there's a lot of factors. So it's really about, it's really about fit. It's about alignment. You know, you find someone who's really not good at this one thing, but you put them in this new environment with this new leader and this new problem vehicle. And they're like, wow, like they're just lit up and they're a 20x player. So I believe everybody has greatness. I believe everybody has crazy valuable gifts, but I think it's up to them to actually try a lot of different environments to figure out how to bring those out. Right. And then from there, you can make better decisions. But that's kind of my job is to find those 10x people that are just uber talented. A lot of the people we work with are, are uber, uber talented with crazy track records, but it's important to get them on the right team. Like that's the big thing is can you get people on the right team where they're going to thrive? What are some of those things that you look for or questions that you ask? It's tough. I think 
I don't know if there's any one question, but I think I just leave it more broad. Like you just, you just, you got to find out what makes people tick, what, what, what they're motivated by. Mm-hmm. Like what problem sets are you really excited by? What aspects of technology are you stoked on? Like, um, what are you, what are the favorite parts of your role? What types of companies do you love to work for? What, um, what excites you most about your job? Like what, when are you in flow state? I mean, there's so many ways you can go about it. Um, but generally there's themes you, that emerge in our business, right? Like, People might love the early stage startup, that early stage zero to one, working in ambiguity, having no direction, just trying to figure out how to get product market fit, you know, experimenting, trying a thousand things, just trying to figure out who's our first customer, how do we price this thing? Very different mindset than somebody who is like, dude, I don't want to do any of that shit. That sounds way too chaotic. Call me when you're at 10 million ARR and you want to go to 100 and I'm, I got the perfect SOPs and processes and I'm the systems guy. I'll build the team. I'll hire my VPs, like very different people. So you got to kind of, you got to know where people have their sweet spots and their gifts and their genius and what stage in a company's life cycle Mm -hmm. those people uh, like to play in and then put them in those right spots and the right timing. Yeah. It's like, investing. When people ask me, how do I make more money, Tyler, make investments? Well, let's measure where you're at. Yeah. Let's measure where the business is at. Let's measure where this person's at. And then usually it's building that culture, right? To Mm -hmm. say, okay, this company, A, Mm -hmm. has a mission statement to do this. This person aligns with that mission, those values. Cool. They'll probably be a good fit. Mm -hmm. But if someone has already done that and they're looking for something different, well, it's pretty obvious they probably shouldn't be there, right? Yeah. What else are you working on? I'm working on a new podcast, which is going to be called World Class. And I've done two podcasts, like I told you before, Next Level Mindset and The Founder's Playbook. They're both great, but this is more like a life mission, right? One I can do for at least 10 years. So my, my big life mission is to inspire greatness in other people. And I think to do that, you have to take success off a pedestal. So the mantra of the show is humanizing greatness. And we're going to be interviewing the most successful people in the world across business, venture capital, sports, you name it, uh, and really track their process from ordinary to extraordinary. Really track their journey. Because the thing is, people see people. They've accomplished a lot. They put them on a pedestal, say, that's awesome. I admire that person. I could never do that. But the real truth is, if you knew where they started, you would see that they are you. And they just made a different series of choices. They might have got access to different information, but it was all a series of choices at the end of the day. And everyone can make those choices for themselves and live their dream life and become the hero of their life. And that's what I want for people. I think we were built to thrive, and I think a lot of people are just surviving. And so I'm hoping that this podcast, one, I'm just excited to learn from these people. But two, like I just want to give people the right mindset, the strategies to access that inner power and take action on that and actually fulfill their potential. Because I just, I just see so many people with gifts that aren't taking action because of some mental restrictions or mental limitations, or they don't believe in themselves or whatever myriad of reasons and it just pisses me off i just want people to live better lives and i see so much potential that's just wasted mm-hmm. um so when i see someone in survival mode i just want to wake them the fuck up and be like dude you have so much greatness in you like let's let's get to work mm-hmm. right so i'm hoping that podcast sparks that yeah and usually most times the work has to change a little bit right like we're so used to this type of work whether it's a specific task whatever it may be so yeah you can get them to maybe resonate 
an entrepreneur may resonate with an athlete, vice versa. Yeah. Let's talk about the two other podcasts. One thing that's really cool that I'm recognizing in your story is continuous evolve, like you're evolving. Yes. Right? You started the mindset podcast. You might have a completely different mindset now. Yeah. And or that mindset's evolved. Yeah. You started the founder's playbook. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because you wanted to get around other founders. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a huge choke point. Someone wants to get into real estate, let's say, and they have zero experience. Mm -hmm. You can create a real estate podcast and have other people that are in real estate with that experience share things about real estate. Right? Yes. So, and then you can just evolve. You can say, okay, well, I'm done doing this. This is served what it needed to serve uh, and or guess what? You may just not know yet what those things are that looks like success, right? That says, oh, that's a successful podcast because of X, Y, Z. Mm, yeah, right? totally. It, and it could start, success is X, Y, Z, but then it can evolve to A, B, C. Yes. So Success is an evolution. This, this is where people get so stuck. Like there's this idea. This is, this is game changing when you truly get this. I always hear people, man, I climbed the wrong fucking mountain. Spent 20 years in this career and I climbed the wrong fucking mountain, right? There's no such thing. If you were inspired at that moment in your life to do that thing and you eclipsed that mountain, that is a victory. But now it's time to look for your next mountain. You just stayed on that mountain when you're meant to climb the next one because you can only see that next one from the peak of that one. Mm -hmm. So you got to continuously climb mountains and we're going to have a series of mountains throughout our life. And each time we, we climb and we summit one, we acquire new skill sets, new mindsets, new perspectives that equip us to then hit the next one. We wouldn't have been able to see or climb that next mountain without that first mountain. But the question is, how long do we stay on that mountain when it's past our time? It's time to look at that next mountain. What's that next challenge I'm excited to summit because of my expansion, right? When I first got into podcasting, just doing a podcast was a huge win because I was so fucking terrified of it. I was so nervous, shaking, asking the wrong questions. But just by doing that, I gained so much confidence. I learned how to interview people. I learned how to communicate better. I built crazy connections like off of one random podcast interview. Uh, the next week I got invited to the guy's birthday and I was partying with Magic Johnson and Dennis Rodman and all this cool shit that happened because of that podcast. The Founders Playbook, I was launching a business and I had no connections when I started that business. I had no VCs, I had no CEOs, no founders, no startups, nothing. So I'm like, hey, how can I get in front of people and build these relationships in an authentic way? Podcast, and it worked. Mm -hmm. I met billionaires, I met successful people. I learned from them, which gave me the knowledge to then become more credible in my space and become more effective at my job. So just because those two podcasts, I didn't stick with them forever, that was a massive success. They both served purposes and equipped me with new skills, new relationships, you name it. And most people could look at that like, oh man, I'm on my third podcast. I can't seem to get it. I'm like, no, it's all beautiful iterations. Who knows if World Class will be my last podcast? I don't give a shit. The point is, is taking forward momentum steps based on your newfound data and newfound awareness and continuing to stay in motion. So many people are staying on that one fucking mountain for 10 years waiting for this next one to appear. You got to start climbing. Well, you got to start building the mountain yourself. Or you can take a private jet to the next mountain. You, you could. Know? It doesn't always Who says you got to hike it, right? Yeah, you exactly. got to play with different mental models of this shit, right? It's, it's an interesting point. Exactly. And so far I've discovered, I don't know if there is a right way to interview someone. I don't know the perfect question. Absolutely no right way. <laughs> so yeah. let's just talk. Let's just talk about whatever we want to talk about. And with that point, 
with World Class and any other podcast that you've done, how how does someone get someone on a show? Like, how did you get billionaires on the show? How are you going to get people yeah. on World Class? So here's an interesting thing, and I think once you once you get this, your life changes. Um, there are no such thing as limitations. There are no conditions in life. They're completely made up. They're mm-hmm. all 100% all illusions. Once you really understand quantum physics, you understand that we are all particles and waves and subatomically you, me, and this table, we're made up of the same exact things. We are all connected. It's all different frequencies. When you really get that, you realize that everyone is accessible. Everything's accessible. Any dream you want already exists as a possibility. You're just not on the frequency of it. So if you believe that these people are out of reach, guess what? That's the truth because that just constructed your reality. Your beliefs literally shrink your brain. They shrink your whole conception of reality to match themselves, right? So your, your perception of the world and what's possible can never go beyond what you believe to be true or believe what's possible. So if you shift your belief and just like, hey, this is another human being and there's something called the English language, and if I communicate with this person and make a request and they get excited about it and I do enough volume, I'm going to get some people that are interested, right? That That's how I see things because I've been able to get this the C-suites from like Snapchat and Airbnb and Shopify and some of the biggest companies in the world on phone calls within one week from cold emails, right? And that's the first thing. It's just one, realizing it's possible. Two is I think this is why podcasting is great. If you went and called them and said, I want an hour of your time to pick your brain for coffee, they would say, fuck off, right? But because you're sharing this message with an audience and you're serving a mission that is altruistic, that's bigger than you, and if they can feel that, they're going to be really excited. So for like Founders Playbook, I want. I was a first-time entrepreneur learning how to be an entrepreneur, wanting to learn from other successful founders on their path so I could share that with other founders, Right. And that message is altruistic and it's true and it's a win, win, win on all levels. And they want to share so they could feel that. But really, all you got to do is get one. This is the key. It's called network effects. You got to get one person. Let's just say I want to blow up a, a podcast in tech. I just got to reach out to 100 tech executives, say, hey, I'm launching a, com- a, a podcast called XYZ. Here's my mission. And I get one of those people. I'm going to get at least one. Right. Then I use that person's name and I figure out everyone else in their network. And I say, hey, just had G2 Patel on the podcast or just had this person on the podcast. Um, would love to have you on. It's that easy. Once you get one big name in a space, everyone that's in their associations is now more likely to come on your show. And that just, that just snowballs. So figure out your mission. Know who you're serving, what it's all about. And then just literally, for me, I use LinkedIn because I have a good LinkedIn and it has a tech presence, but I've done email, I've done Instagram DMs. Reach out, just get one person, let them feel the passion you have. If they feel like you're just trying to serve yourself and you just want to post a clip of them to build your brand, that shit comes through in the messaging. Just speak with your heart and say, I'd love to have you on the podcast and share your wisdom with my audience. This is the mission. You get one person, just one and then you can leverage that person's name to all the other guests, and boom, before you know it, you've got a huge roster. And also, I would I would go against that a little bit and say, go in your hometown to the person that owned a pizza shop for 40 years and realize that most businesses fail after a couple of years. So the person that owned the pizza shop for 40 years could have potentially better business practices and more value to share than a Jeff Bezos. Sure. Jeff Bezos just happened to be in a 
more scalable business than having just one mom and pop pizza shop, right? Sure. Now, obviously take that with a grain of salt. The point is, is that's interesting though, right? And I think that's where people get a little caught up is you have to have a, a big name with someone that has a million followers yeah. and they built a billion dollar company and they're a multimillionaire and they're blah, 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 blah whatever the fuck they want to say on, online. Well, John Smith, that's 87 years old, still waking up every fucking day and hasn't missed for X amount of years, I think is pretty cool too. Yeah. So I think it's just looking around who you're around. If you're just getting started, you have essentially no network yourself. You have no true benefit to share with your audience because you don't have one or it's very small. You go, oh, this person doesn't even exist online. Yeah, I was talking about this with you earlier. Everyone just needs to get performance out of their fucking mind. You just got to do. Like, mm -hmm. I put so much pressure on myself. Oh, I've done two podcasts now. This next one, I want to hit a million downloads in the first 30 days. Or I want to do X, Y, Z. I want to get these names on it. Because as you start to become more successful and do things, you start putting higher pressure on yourself yeah. to perform. But then that, that pressure that you put on yourself and that forward-thinking mentality just creates a state of anxiety that cripples you and, and creates procrastination. So, like, if you want to do something, and I would say don't do a podcast just to fucking do a podcast because Tyler's doing a podcast or I'm doing a podcast. If you genuinely want to do that, like, for me, things I love most are connecting with humans, having deep conversation, having deep conversations and sharing wisdom. I love that. So, like, this is just such a natural alignment for me, right? So, like, mm -hmm. makes sense. But do something because you actually want to do it and then remove the need to actually have performances behind it. Like, literally, the performance is just launching the fucking podcast. Say, I'm going to record and release 10 episodes and I'm just going to do my best. Yeah. And you're going to figure yourself out. You're going to figure your voice out. You're going to figure who you are, what you even want to talk about. Like, that is a process. Like, I changed my business model and my ideal customer for quantum 30 fucking times in the first six months. It took me 18 months to finish my core values, right? Like life is an experiment. And so many of us are living life like it's so fixed, like we need to figure it out and get it right. There's nothing to fucking get right. You just gotta keep testing, iterating towards a place of more alignment and use data. You gotta use data from real life experience to continue progressing forward, but you just gotta get fucking started. Yeah, and we're probably just going to be turned into robots anyway, right? So yeah, might as well we're, we're, we're literally stuff. we're all going to be Chinese AI in twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> we might be already, dude. We might be already. You know. <laughs> so cool, man. That's that's awesome. I'm I'm excited to see that, and you're sharing a little bit more about having some ideas around mm -hmm. breaking world class into like other subcategories as well. Like <clears throat> this is just for athletes. This is just for entrepreneurs. This yeah. is just for you know, VCs and then having events around it. I think that's a phenomenal idea. Yeah. Um, let's, let's chat a little bit more on the nonprofit side, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, here, here's the interesting thing. I, I, uh, I launched a nonprofit four years ago called through you. Um, just, it happened out of nowhere. I just, I was at a personal development seminar mm -hmm. called landmark and they're like, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, I really want to build a school. And they're like, well, why don't you do it now? And I was like, ah, I'm going to wait till I'm like 60 after I'm retired. Just so, so in the matrix at that point in my life. And uh, they're like, no, just do it now. Like, and I just, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do it now. I just declared it and then built this team. Went out to Africa. We built a, a school in Malawi. We got addicted to it. It was, in the, we stayed with the family, helped build it, raised the money. It was uh, the best experience of my life. Yeah, it was the best experience of my life. 
Dude, no way. That's that's insane. That was the first one, though. That we built another couple, I think, three more schools in Nepal, a couple in Nepal, one in Guatemala. We built water wells in the DR. So just it just kind of grew and grew. And then it, it really fell stagnant with COVID, though, because there was all these vaccine requirements that a lot of people weren't really cool with. Um, so it was a great effort. And through you is something I'll probably pick back up. But you know what's interesting is like, I could look at that as a huge success or a failure, right? Because I had plans to scale that thing to the moon and COVID hit and then my business thing took over. But we did so much good and there was so much success from that, that again, it's an iterative process because now in my meditation, I had this visualization, I had this vision in my last meditation with Joe Dispenza um, of being in Colombia and doing a, a new nonprofit. Right. And it's like sometimes other things die so new things can be born. And it's all iterative because I developed myself in so many ways, became so nuanced in that world now. But like I'm really passionate about the country of Colombia. And so I'm actually going back there tomorrow. Um, but now I'm I'm getting ready to launch something there. And mm -hmm. so I love the people of Colombia. It's 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 just such a rich place, um, but obviously tons of poverty. And so I'm I built schools and water wells, but I realized I'm really drawn towards actually saving lives. So like, I wanna go back there and I'm looking at organizations now to work and partner with, like to actually help raise money for kids' surgeries that are like life or death surgeries for families, right? And doing that at scale, that's really interesting to me. How do you raise that money? Well, I think I have a network now. Before, you know, it's funny because to raise a hundred grand for through you was so fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Like, God, I don't know how many, we had thousands of donors for that. It was so much work. Um, to do that now, I could probably do that in a week with a few phone calls and emails, mm -hmm. right? So it's just as your network grows, as you expand and become more successful, it gets way easier, which is, I think, a good reason to become more successful because you can become way more generous and you have yeah. way more resources to like fulfill on those meaningful missions. Um, but yeah, I, I have the network now. Yeah, it's like having to trim the fat in some areas, right? Like it's having to like cut back doing some things, knowing that if I do these things, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to be more fulfilled so I can give back at a higher amount Dude, that's well. the thing is like, you know how people shit on money all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like shit, you and I might've done it at some point in our life. Like, I don't know what conditioning you had or what I had, but like, I definitely didn't have this incredible money mindset always, right? I probably looked at people like, oh, like, why would you, why would you need that? But it was just such a scarce mindset, right? So like the truth about money, you know, people are always like, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. That is horseshit, dude. Money can absolutely buy happiness. It's not going to create all your happiness. Mm -hmm. But like, dude, how are you going to tell me that creating a school for somebody and buying a school that gives kids an opportunity to learn, get an education and thrive in life, how is that not going to make you happy? How is getting your, your mom and dad a vacation and seeing them happy not making you happy? How is they want to pay for a surgery to save a kid's life so that family can stay intact and that kid can have a future? How does that fill you with fucking joy? Mm. Right? So like clearly, if pe people that say I only need to make this much, the first thing that, that becomes very clear to me there is they're only thinking about themselves. That's how much they need to live a comfortable life but they're not thinking about what they can do for others. Mm. If you if you were really present to what money could do for others, then you would never want to cap how much you'd make. You'd say, I want to make as much as I possibly can. Yeah. So people that have like undeserving, like sense of lack with money, it's because they're way too focused on, oh, I don't need that. I, I don't, it's, it's not about you, right? I like staying in nice places. I like elegant things. I like spending, I like, I like the millionaire lifestyle. I never want to give that up. And, I also realized throughout time that what really makes me happy is giving it away. 
Giving money away is the best fucking feeling. And so I wish everyone can just get as rich as they can. And I want to get richer so I can give more because I pay for dinners all the times for my friends. I pay for trips. I, you know, donate here, donate there all the, all the time. I love being able to contribute financially to things because it's one way of expressing love and helping people grow. Right. So I think everyone should want to make a shit ton of money and just dream bigger. Yeah. And a lot of times that money is not actual fiat currency. That money can be just what you were saying earlier, like energy, information. Uh, it, it doesn't always have to be value. Exactly. Money is value. It's, it's, it's a medium of value. Exactly. How, uh, what, what are like some tactics, like one or two tactics where you were able to raise that hundred thousand? And, uh, because when it comes to raising money, yeah. For a nonprofit, for a real estate deal, for building your business. Yeah. Right. That's a very valuable skill set. Absolutely. Using other people's money is super key. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong when it comes to understanding money is mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be yours. That's why most businesses fail. That's why. That's what you people, do, right? Like other people's money, leverage it in real estate, get people returns, but you can make a healthy living without putting up any of your own capital. Yeah, and that's maybe getting allocated right alongside them, but sure, most people think they have to have all this experience, whether it's real estate or a nonprofit, or they have to have all this money, and that's not the case. Yeah. So what I, I say this, dude, when I launched the nonprofit, I had no experience leading anything in my life. I had no experience. Like I was like, okay, I'm gonna go raise a bunch of money, go build a school in Africa. Like I haven't even been to Africa. Like there was a thousand unknowns that were just horrifying, right? When I launched my company, I had no experience as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? I was launching a company in one of the worst markets to ever launch in, right? So what I realized is you don't need experience. You need two things, burning desire, ferocious hunger, and then resourcefulness. That's all you need to do anything you fucking want in life. If you want it bad enough, like you're willing to die before you don't have it, and you're resourceful, you have that figure shit out mentality, like I'm just gonna figure shit out. That's all you need to succeed. Whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's your business, whether it's a relationship, like those are the two things. And so what I realized, especially because I've worked with so many like very high level people now, is no one knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing, dude. It is, when you see behind the curtains of these companies that are worth billions of dollars and they're just utter shit shows, um, it's crazy because that's just how life is. Like. It's just like Instagram, it looks beautiful. You don't know what the life of the person behind that Instagram picture really is and all its complexities. So like life is complex, no one knows what they're doing, but the people who win, the people who get the farthest, they just have unyielding self-belief and they de they're defined by a future vision. They see how they want their future to look and they define themselves by that, not, not based on their past experience, not based on what other people tell them is possible. They are defined by a vision. And they're hungry and they're resourceful and they just pursue that relentlessly until they achieve it. And it's that simple, but most people just get hung up thinking they need to know how. But you can't try to figure out the how before you make the decision. So I made the decision. I am building a school in Africa. Now, now I have to figure it out. I burned the fucking boats. I am building a company. I just left my cushy job. I don't have fucking health insurance. I am building the greatest company that ever lived. Why? Because I fucking said it, right? That's the energy you got to walk into life with. You got to walk in with that level of certainty. Too many people have plan Bs. They're like, oh, I'm going to try this for a year and see where I get. Good luck. And guess what? It doesn't have to be, be you. That's what I'm learning 
tremendously recently, man. Like this is something that's been just popping up in every conversation I'm having, every situation yeah. is who? Who, not how. Exactly. Yes. You've not started a nonprofit. Who has? Yes. How do I find them? Where are they at? How do I get in contact with them? Absolutely. I haven't raised money. Who has? Right. Yeah. And on that topic too, on raising money, I didn't have experience. And I don't even, I, I'm not like this like fundraising pitch consultant where I have this perfect framework for it. But like what I can say works is passion. When you care about something, it, you transfer that to somebody else. Like that's the easiest way to get anything you want in life. I have pitched the biggest VCs and I've had the most intellectual, articulate, eloquent pitches with the best pitch decks and I've gotten nothing from it. But whenever I shared from my heart about like why I wanted this so fucking bad, that energy creates this, it literally, it's electromagnetic field. Like, like you're, the stronger your emotions, the more of a magnetic energy you put out into the universe. Your field expands, right? Your field expands. Oh, yeah. And people can feel that and you draw people into yeah. you. So I was at different events. I was on phone calls. But I was so lit up about that mission of like, oh, I want to, we're going to build a school. It, it was contagious. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have to be passionate. You mm -hmm. have to speak about what you want, speak things into existence, get on social media, go to networking events, but you have to feel that in your heart and just be lit up. When you're lit up, dude, it's like one candle. It's like one candle, you light the other candle, mm -hmm. right? That's how I see it. Like when you have one burning candle, you can light a thousand other candles, but you have to be burning for it. So I think that's the first step. People are trying to figure out something, but they're not really burning for it yet. Like you got to do the inner work and be like, why do I really want this? And like, you have to get to that inner place where like, okay, this isn't something I want. This is a must. And then when you get there, dude, it's like, it's the other shit just figures itself out. Yeah. And you got to just try shit. Like, let's just be frank. We've done a lot of shit wrong because we tried and we go, brother. Yeah, exactly. We're just, we're just evolving. We're that, that ad didn't work. This ad may work. That pitch deck work, this one didn't. But it's the why, right? It's like Dude, that you nailed it. You nailed it. I went and taught English in Cambodia, Ghana, and Kenya, three different places, on a trip years before, and I. That's where I physically experienced the how I physically experienced the schools and the kids. And I'm like, I gotta help these kids. If I didn't have those experiences. I would have never been inspired. My heart would have never been set on fire for that. And the nonprofit would have never existed, right? I worked with Fortune 500 companies for years. I worked on low-level roles like warehouse workers and all this. I went, I went through so many iterations in my recruiting career. And I found a thousand things I didn't like about every company I went to, about the clients I was working for. So that when it came down to start my company, I took out a piece of paper and I say, knowing what I know now from all these things I don't like, what would inspire me? I'm like, I only want to work with founders at startups because I love startups. I love underdogs. I love people that are like building the future before they're well-known and being a part of that journey with them, right? I want to work with elite people because I'm tired of working with these junior people that are in and out and tons of turnover. I want to work with an elite SEAL team that we can build together for a mm -hmm. decade, right? I want to invest in companies and have a VC sweat equity portfolio. So like I'm winning with companies instead of just being a vendor, right? Like I, I created this model out of all the things I didn't like. And I'm like, what's the exact opposite? This is what I want now, right? And so it's through that process of figuring out what you don't like that you figure out who you are and what matters to you. Like, oh, I've gone to 20 parties here at these mansions. And um, as I reflect, I'm actually not happy. 
So maybe I should take that data and realize, oh, I, maybe I, I just want a nice dinner with my friends now. Oh, it's really human connection that I value. That's really good to know. So like the process of reflecting on what you don't like from those experiences is the very thing that helps you see what you want next. Yeah, uh, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, do you want money, power, or both, right? And power is money, money is power. And just a relationship is essentially money. It's like, how do I get on the phone with this person? Oh, this person knows them. Like, mm. That's exactly how you hear right now. We have mutual connections and yeah. friends, right? Yep. And you're like, oh yeah, I know. I know Tyler. Oh yeah, I know Chris. Yeah. We'll make it work, right? Right. Let's just chop it up. So uh, yeah, what else are you working on, man? What does success look like uh, in some of these things that you're doing? Although I'm not trying to throw pressure on you. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have you know, metrics too. So you're here's like here, not tracking anything. You're just floating through. It feels. Yeah, good. <laughs> and you know what? It's interesting because I th I think there's a place for that, right? You need to have north stars, mm -hmm. or it's it's beneficial. You don't need them, but it's beneficial, especially sure. if you're trying to grow a business. You got to look at metrics. You got to look at growth rate. You got to look at all these things, right? Absolutely. But I'll break it down simply, real quick. In my business. The North Star I have is 100 million in revenue with under 100 people. Why? Because it's never been done in the history of the world. That excites me. We'd be unequivocally the most elite team if we can hit 100 million dollars in revenue annually with under 100 people in the company. This, the top person to ever do that did it with 150, and they did it with a lot of funding. Right, and the next company probably has two, three hundred employees. So for me, I don't want to be the biggest. Again, self awareness. I want to be the most elite firm that is known for the, that is known as the premier firm, the world class firm for startups. Like if you want to build unicorns, you work with Quantum. Right, that excites me. So that's my metric for the business. I'm taking that to a hundred million in revenue with under a hundred people in the company. Mm -hmm. That's my start for Quantum. That's what success looks like. But really, it's more than that too, because it's it's about our raving fans. It's about our clients. It's about creating the most world class experience and most world class portfolio. All these things, but it's becoming world class, and that's the metric that I have mm -hmm. for the business. Uh, in other areas of life, I look at this differently, man, because success to me used to be so monomaniacally focused on accomplishments and on my business and on like my bank account and my cash flow, <laughs> whatever it was, you know? Yeah. And like those things are super important, but I look so differently at life now that I, I believe the best metric for, for a high quality life, for a successful life is love. Is how much love do I feel every day? How much love do I give every day? I just believe love is the best metric for life. Mm -hmm. And so I have financial metrics to measure my business and all that, but that's all to power a better life for myself and other people. So what really matters at the bottom line is like, Am I expressing myself in every area? So success for me is holistic. I want exceptional relationships. I want intimacy. I want to have a great character that I'm proud of. I look in the mirror every morning. I'm like, dude, fucking admire you. Um, fitness and health, peak physical condition, super healthy, full of vitality, right? All these things I look at when I look at, okay, am I successful? Like, and it's never perfect in any category, but I'm looking at success really holistically now. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, business is great, but like, how, how am I doing in these areas? What about my self-expression? Am I doing my music, my salsa dancing? Like, wh where do I need to put more energy or attention to to feel more full, mm -hmm. right? That's, I think success is this feeling of wholeness, of fullness, this full self-expression of who you are as an individual. And it's good to, to look at that in a variety of ways. So I'm looking at all those different areas in my life now as I really view success. 
And I'm always looking, hey, where am I, where am I slacking? Like where, shit, have I not prioritized relationships? Am I, am I letting my fitness slide? Whatever it is. I'm just trying to be the best version I can of myself in every one of those areas and really at a base, simple level, just experience and bring more love into the world. I genuinely think it's, it sounds cheesy, but it's, I think it's all that matters. How do you have time for all this? <laughs> but you, you gotta, mentioned people. Yeah. Leverage. I have an amazing team. Like I didn't, I was working hundred hour weeks by myself two years ago. How do you build that team and culture? That's a, that's a deep question. Um, first I had to become Michael Jordan. I had to become the one of the 1%, right? Because I was trying to attract a team of A players before I was an undisputable A player. And that was a big mistake I made. You see the shoes I wore for you? Oh, you got the Jordans on for me? Come on, bro. You got it. Well, you're already on the right track. I then. did my research. <laughs> so yeah, you got to become an A player. And then from there, you got to cast a vision. Right. At first I did this business for a lifestyle. I was like, I want to make a couple million bucks a year, travel the world and not have a boss. That sounds fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Right. But then that got boring. I'm like, oh no, I need a team. I, I it's more I love winning with people. Like yeah. when I win, you know, by myself, I get dopamine. When I win with you, oxytocin, bonding chemical, way better chemical. Mm -hmm. Um, like I I need to win with a team. And so yeah. that's that's when I started going out recruiting and shit just kind of fell into place, man. I went out and I started making a list of the top 20 companies that are my competitors, created a really beautiful value proposition of why they should join me, my awesome commission structure, the culture we want to build, blah, 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 blah. And created a loom video so people could feel my energy and like this vision I had. Because at the time, I'm preaching a vision that doesn't exist yet, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm getting them to believe that it's going to happen with more certainty than it not happening. Otherwise, they would never join. So I just put together these marketing materials, started interviewing people. You know, once I got a few really incredible people on board, A players attract A players and went through my network, went outside my network. But dude, I've had to hire a hundred and I've had to interview 160 people to hire my last five or six. How do you keep them committed, inspired, motivated to you know, keep working alongside you? Dude, you have to constantly preach the vision. Like mm -hmm. you can't just like have it on the wall or say at one time, like you have to, you have to always be driving towards this mission. There has to be a genuine purpose. And that's where the companies I was at before fucked up and why I left because there was like, there's no mission. It's like, I just feel like I'm here to collect a check, mm -hmm. right? But when you're on a mission to hit a hundred million with under a hundred people and, and be the undisputable greatest firm in the world and be, you know, build thousands of raving fans. So every day you're working to create a raving experience for your CEOs. Like there's more purpose and mission there. Um, I think the other thing too, is you got to build your company on clear values. So like I have seven core values in the company um, and I hire and and fire and like build that company strictly on those values. And then we talk about them every week. Every week we have an acknowledgement ceremony of people in the company for those values. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly preaching those things and it just, it keeps you connected and bonded on things that matter. Um, but when you hire people that all share those sentiments, those values, you've hired people that are drivers, hire people that have that Mamba mentality that want to be the best in the world, hire people that are team first, that really want to help each other win, hire people that have a shit ton of fun, they're just naturally bringing fun and creation to everything they do. When you hire people like that, they just all, they become a tribe, right? And so you need to constantly preach the, the mission and the vision and keep them rowing in the right direction, but they are already gelling, like, you know, at a frequency level, they're on the same frequency. And so those environments tend to be really nurturing and very healthy and fun. Um, but that's the other thing. You, you got to have fucking fun. We just mm -hmm. got back from uh, our president's club in Bahamas. It's four days of just 
epicness in the Bahamas, sailing on a yacht to a private island and, you know, going to nice dinners and bonding together. We have another team retreat in Miami in three weeks. Just having fun is how you build momentum. Like people don't leave environments where they're having fun. It's when people stop having fun, we're like, fuck, the grass might be greener somewhere else. Right. So I think about that a lot. Yeah. And let's cut the shit here on it. It's like also a way for a business owner to have leverage as well. Like, sure, we want to have fun, this and that, but like business is business. So yeah, they legitimately will not leave the company and take less pay because they would much rather go to the Bahamas once a year, Miami, and then Chris decides to take them to Europe, whatever it may be. Yep. And it's strategic leverage on your end as well, where you know that there's intangibles to that. Yeah. It's not just saying I went on a $5,000 trip versus getting a $10,000 pay raise, let's say. Mm-hmm. But for you, it's also strategic in a way that, and maybe this is because I'm an investor, right? I'm like, oh, that's a tax write-off, you know? So for you, it's it's saving you money. That's where I see a lot of, and we've, we've done this wrong as well. Entrepreneurs go wrong. It's like, yo, invest back in the people doing those fun things because it's a write-off for us. They're having more fun. And we may not have to have a quarterly planning session meeting with them one-on-one to go through their goals and pay them more money for a raise. Yeah, there's different there's different mindsets on this. Like I do those things and I pay people above, above market. Mm-hmm. So like if people are coming to work and really grinding, like it'd be hard for them not to be successful and they're not going to want to leave because I'm paying them above market rate and doing all these nice things for them and pouring into them as individuals and humans and actually give a shit about them. Um, so in that regards, it's really important to, uh, I think it's just, you get a higher ROI, but I don't even think about it like that. It's just like a knowing, right? I'm like, I know if I take care of people and treat them well, they're going to stick with me and we're going to do great things together. But I also, I don't want to build a business where I'm constantly thinking about the numbers and the EBITDA all the time. Like I'll take a 5% less EBITDA, you know, and make $5 million less over the course of X amount of years to have way more fun and to make sure everyone's having a great time. Like for me, like I told you, um, it's not about building a business to have the maximum profit when I exit. Like I want to build a business that's so fun that I never want to leave. And if I choose to leave, it's because I've accomplished my goals and I can make that choice. But I want to make a business that's so fucking fun that no one wants to leave, including myself. For me, that's that's a much more enjoyable pursuit. 100%. And I, I perfectly align with that. Like, But I, I always love thinking of someone else's perspective because I, I totally know what you're saying. Yeah. Right? Like you just can't measure fun. Like it's actually yeah. significantly high ROI. That said, there is someone listening to this that's like, because I've done it myself. Why take that trip? Why this and that? That means sure. we have to be out of the office. We have to be. But that is for someone that's extremely analytical. That is maybe not in the financial position that you and your business is like, sure. that's a real thing, Yeah, you know? So point I'm getting at is like, you can still put something fun on a spreadsheet. There's still technically a way Dude, to do Dude, you got to have fun in businesses, man. Mm-hmm. Like in my first company I was at called Inside Global, they paid me 39K that first year and I was working my ass off, right? I had a 1% commission structure with a 38K base and they had the sickest conferences Right. And they were so much fun. We're doing Red Bull Flip Cup every day. I mean, it was Wolf of Wall Street in the recruiting field. Right. But no one leaves. Like some people fall off, but like when people get in there, they, they just don't leave because the culture is so fun, but they're getting paid absolute dog shit. And until they get red pilled by someone like me trying to poach them out, 
Um, they don't know, but like the, that company that they hire people from college, they brainwash them into thinking their company is the best in the world. There's no one out there that could be possibly better. And they make them have so much fucking fun that they, they're okay mm. with not making a lot of money or making way less than market rate. I don't believe in that. I believe in like paying people what they're worth and more. Yeah. So they'll never leave and they'll have no reason to leave and having a shit ton of fun and not just making it about fun, but really getting to know each other as human beings and giving a shit about each other's dreams and goals. For me, if you're doing that, if you, if you connect and you, you fall in love with your team, you have a shit ton of fun together and you win together, nobody's leaving. 100%. And one thing that we've done as well is called PPFs, personal, professional, financial goals. So we'll map out, excuse me, they will map out over 12 months what their personal, professional, financial goals are. Maybe it's make an extra $50,000 if they're on our sales team, uh, create a deeper relationship with their father, um, become a sales director, and take seven trips just as an easy example. Cool. We'll help them reverse engineer that down into quarter one, two, three, four. And again, I'm going to keep taking the flip side here on this, on this conversation. It's, it's the friction is removed. If they're not aligned with the mission, the vision, like you said, they're not aligned with the values. So if you have mm -hmm. to fire them, mm -hmm. it's not a emotional, whatever, right? right? we start talking like the legal side, this and that, that's not the point, but it's like, you legitimately don't align with value number three. You don't yeah. align with the mission. But the PPFs for us has helped tremendously because I go, look, if you can't lose 10 pounds, if you can't create a deeper relationship, if you can't do your personal goals, you are never going to accomplish your professional and financial. They're all very linked. And... It's just human nature, yeah. especially if it's not their business. Your employees should, in my opinion, never care and have an expectation for them to care as much as you, mm -hmm. right? I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs go wrong is they think that their team uh, or even other business partners care as much as them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a twist, though. I think you can get them to care as much about their own goals as you care about your own goals, and their goals can be aligned with the company's goals, and thereby proxy can give them to care almost as much. Which is exactly why we designed it that way. Because yeah. it's like, oh, I work here because Tyler helped me build a deeper relationship with my father. Because mm -hmm. I lost my father when I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. So I can recognize those things because that's a very traumatic thing for me. Yeah, I can go, oh, they brought this up for a reason. Mm. And so, and just prime example, one of our sales guys, like he came on the team, this is a couple years ago, and he just messaged me the other day on Slack and he's like, dude, I'm flying my father out to Milan right now. I didn't talk to him before I joined the company mm. and I've 5 x my income or whatever and I'm working around the world on our sales team, right? And I'm like, the money, this and that. I'm like, oh dude, that's fucking crazy, right? That's it, bro. That, that person is going to be with you for a long time because you help that person have a transformation in their life. Mm -hmm. Business is just one branch of the tree of life. And so when you can help someone have a breakthrough in one area of life, they level up. And that has a massive impact in business, right? It's, it's incredible. All right. Give us some fire here, man. I think we got to wrap up. Are you, uh, it's what? How do you want to end this thing then? You tell me, dude. What do you want to leave them with? Give us some fire here. Maybe a couple thoughts on what's the takeaway they can get from this podcast, right? This is... Wrapping it all up. Yeah, like, they go to this clip right here. 
That's the sauce from Chris. That's the sauce. Look, if I'm going to leave you guys with something, if you can learn anything from me or Tyler, um, there are no such thing as extraordinary people. We're all just regular-ass people that decided to make different choices. And you can be who you want to be. Don't fucking settle. That's the message, man. Don't fucking settle. And don't just sit here listening to podcasts and consuming information, like decide who you want to be, decide what you truly want out of life, like wake the fuck up and realize you're going to die. No one's going to remember you. None of it's going to matter. So like, what do you want to experience in your lifetime? Who do you want to become? What does the hero of your life look like? And what are they doing? Like allow yourself to dream, allow yourself to really feel into what you want in this experience of life and get clear on that, get that North star down and Start taking actions. Mm. Start shifting your beliefs, right? Start stacking evidence in favor of this new life you want to create. I know you are who you are today. I know it's because of your past experiences, your conditions, your family, your environment, what things that happened to you. But none of those things have any impact on who you're going to be tomorrow unless you let them. So you can either be more defined by your past or by what other people tell you you are, or you can show the world who you are and control the narrative. And we all have the ability to pick up the pen and write our own story. So no matter where you're at in life, whether you're killing it or whether you're just completely frustrated and miserable and depressed, we have neuroplasticity. We can change our brains. We can change our whole realities just by how we view them. So don't give up. Don't give up hope. Know that you can create anything you want in life. You're the conscious creator of your life as soon as you pick up the pen and you decide to get clear on who you want to be, what you want, and start building a plan. So all you got to do is keep taking action in favor of this new person. You're going to find this this person you are now a year from now is going to be a complete stranger, and you're going to be more like that person that you wrote down on that paper. So never settle. Never believe that this is all life has to offer for you. You can take what you want from life, but you're going to have to become more. So get clear on who you want to be and start doing the work. Or do less of something, right? And start doing less. You got to remove. It's a process of removal. When uh, Michelangelo built David, and he was asked how he did it, he said, "I just kept chipping away at the marble until David revealed himself." Right? That's you. We have baggage. Mm. We need to get rid of our limitations. We need to get rid of our poor habits that are stealing our power. Whatever is in your life that is stealing your power is called an energy leak. It's leaking your energy. It could be negative friendships. It could be toxic relationships. It could be alcohol, sugar, anything you're compulsive to, like Instagram scrolling, any of that. It steals your power, and it makes you a victim, a slave to your environment. You have to eliminate those things to the best of your ability in every area of your life so you can regain your power and create from that place. Because when you have your power, you are an infinite, limitless creator. But when you lose all your power through being so out of integrity with all these things, you have no energy left to create with. So you need to really eliminate all your energy leaks, step into your power, and then you can be the conscious creator of your life. And that's where we'll, we'll drop the mic. I got one more question. I okay. do this every fucking time, I feel like. Hit, hit me with the last question. Let's go. We'll give you one more. Like, last question and seven more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't last, know how to the, dude. This is just how the, we do it, man. Last seven questions. Let's hit them. Yep. Uh, what, what does generational wealth mean to you? And whether and what, what do you maybe need to do more of to ensure you're building generational wealth or maybe maybe less of? 
Generational wealth to me just means that I have exponentially growing wealth after I am gone, right? It's just you're invested in assets that continue to grow and appreciate and provide for X amount of generations beneath you, depending on how much wealth you have. So I think for, for me, the way to build generational wealth is not some like new aged nuance strategy. It's just investing in the right assets that are going to be scarce and appreciate over time. So for me personally, I believe in the long term, Bitcoin is absolutely one of those. So I think my X amount of Bitcoin is the most precious digital real estate out there. And so that, that I already have generational wealth in Bitcoin. Um, just got to hold it forever. Um, real estate, I think, is probably the greatest asset class for most of the world, mm-hmm. um, just with the tax benefits and all that. So it's investing in the right real estate and the right properties, and having physical ownership, uh, cash flow, right? Because cash flow equals freedom. Um, you actually can spend. You can, yeah. There's all these benefits to that. Um, but for me, it's it's just investing in a myriad of assets that continue to appreciate and. Uh, not, you know, right now I'm more, I'm cash heavy because of the market, but to build true generational wealth, you just have to be invested in a good asset portfolio that has the highest probability of appreciating over time that can then take care of, you know, take care of people that you love long after you're gone. Yep. That aligns with what you are trying to do. Right. And one thing that you said before we started was like the people, right. And to wrap all of this up the trauma that you had of being the outsider, Mm -hmm. not really connecting with people, right? You turned into your superpower. Yeah. Like now everyone wants to be around Chris, right? And so how did you do that? You do that by building that portfolio with inside yourself, right? Mm, So I like that. Appreciate you, bro. Bro, that was a great interview. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. That was fucking great. There we go. Let's go. Done deal. Love you, dog. Oh, brother. Love you, dog. That was a fucking good one. Yeah. You got some fire in there. Yeah, those are some good questions, bro. I thought like I was I was good riffing on those. Yeah, you fucking crushed.